Welcome to the Fab Academy. Um, we're going to uh, recitation was a really interesting one uh, this week. If you go to the, I believe it's up already, uh, or not quite up yet, but it'll be up shortly. Um, the recitation was on a whole group from SolidWorks on SolidWorks in the cloud, which is actually not SolidWorks. It's um, the back end of Katia, the high-end design tool. And they're making that available on an early trial to all the Fab Academy students. Um, so, uh, and it works on any device. So very interesting recitation. Uh, we're going to review interfaces this week and then a really interesting topic on how to make networks. Um, and then next week is, um, let me make a note. Um, the recitation is Fab Academy, one of the classes that spun off from Fab Academy or the Textile Academy, um, Textile Technologies. That'll be running in the fall and is an interesting uh, next step. Uh, before we start the review, I wanted to talk about repositories. Um, I was horrified. So um, I'm in uh, the management interface, and I'm going to look at repo sizes. And if you look at this, you'll see multiple students have gigabyte size repositories. Um, there's the repository that has your version history. Then there's the checkout, checked out file system. The checked out file system is listed, limited to 300 megabytes, and many students are running into that. Um, there's no reason for your repos to be this big. So I want to go over compression a little bit. And compression here is needed to keep down the sizes on this server, but it's a really important skill because when you serve stuff publicly, um, it's going to consume more data and consume more time. So you need to learn how to serve stuff efficiently. So uh, I'm going to take the winner of the um, using too much space in the Sorbonne, Adele. Adele, are you there? I'll, um, I'll use you as an example of all the tools you can use to reduce size. Um, um, is Adele in the Sorbonne? Um, so I pulled Adele's repo. So one of the tools I'll use is DU. DU is super useful. It's disk space usage. So if I do DU minus S star, it lists the sizes of everything. SH lists them in human readable units. And then what I can do is sort minus N. So whoops, images has 258 megabytes. So images slash star, um, week eight is 88 megabytes. So if we go to week eight, um, so here we are. Uh, in this case, there's a giant GIF. Um, so the two most common offenders are images that are way too big and um, uh, video formats that are way too big. So let's cd to images slash week eight. Um, so if we look at these, um, uh, there's a 1.8 megabyte shot bot. So um, if we look at that image, 
um, that, that was ShopBot 5, and here's what it looks like. So if we take, let me take that image first. Um, I'm going to open it in GIMP, and that's 3K by 4K, which is much more than the screen resolution of most viewers. So I'll scale the image down, let's say 2K, not 200, 2,000. And then I'm going to, when I save it as, um, sorry, when I export it, I'm going to export it as a JPEG, but I'm going to turn the compression up much higher, let's say 70, or here, I'll even go further, 50, because this isn't for a photo album. Okay, so now if we quit, so if we look now, if we do, um, so the file was 1.8 megabytes, now I have it at 220 kilobytes, um, so a factor of 10, and if we look at it, um, here's the original, and here's what I just did. I'm going back and forth. Here's the original, here's what I just did. Um, at the quality of your viewing, you can't see any difference between these two images. It's only when you blow it up much larger or print it at very high quality, you can see it. Um, so that was a 10x reduction in the image size. Then we have this GIF, um, uh, this record booth GIF, that's 78 meg. GIF other than for a few frames is a terrible format for anything moving. Um, a really important thing I covered in the, um, oh, let's see, I think it was the design, yeah, in the design week was this cheat sheet for HTML5 encoding. And so here's a, um, uh, AVCon, can convert most any video to most any format. So what I'm going to do is take that cheat sheet um, and let's take the record booth. And then um, these are all the video settings. Now, this part of the settings is the audio, but of course we don't have audio in the GIF, so I'm going to um, take out the audio commands. So right now it's, this could be an MOV, it could be an AVI, it could be whatever format you have. And so um, we were at 78 meg, I just made a video that's 560K. Um, and if we look at it, here it is, same quality. <laughs> and that was it, that was a whole video. Um, so I just reduced the video by a factor of 10, and I reduced, sorry, I reduced the image by a factor of 10, and I reduced the video by a factor of 100 um, with just a few commands. And then one other really handy command is convert for images. If you want to do this for a batch of images, it'll run through everything. Okay, so there's absolute, these are really important skills to make once you're paying for storage and we're not, you're gonna care about this. But more important, when you're serving things to people, they don't wanna spend their time and their data on your downloads. Um, 
everybody here with these gigabyte repos in particular, um, bring them down. And um, the people with few hundred megabyte checked out repos, bring them down. Learn how to use DU to navigate sizes. Learn how to use GIMP and convert to compress. Learn how to use FFmpeg or AV convert to compress video. Um, these are really important, useful skills. Okay. So with that, we'll go on to the review of interface programming. And we had four people missing last week. Let's see if they're here. Uh, Neil, just before starting, we, uh, there is a, um, a very interesting tool uh, that exists also for PNG files. If you just use Opti PNG, you can reduce files without compromising the quality and so on. Uh, what just, is the uh, tool? Opti PNG. Uh, what, spell uh, it? No, Opti, like uh, optimize. Uh, oh, Opti PNG. Opti PNG. Now, oh, interesting. Okay, I don't know that. Um, PNGs are great because they compress cleanly, they respect dimensions. Um, that's why we use PNGs and things like mods. On the other hand, JPEGs. The compression is noisier, it's not as beautiful, um, but they compress down really aggressively. So I like JPEGs for web images because you can make them really small. I prefer PNGs when I want faithful compression for things like interchange. Or print screen and so on, that's very efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we had. Um, Carolina from Barcelona. Are you there, Carolina? Are you there, Barcelona? Yes. Are you there, Spain? Yes. Are you there, yeah. Europe? Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> um, tell me about yourself. Um, I'm a designer I'm from Brazil and I'm studying Barcelona now. Uh, I studied design in Brazil, and I, my major was both graphic and product, product. But I always went more for the product area, so I started to like this part of with maker education when I was doing my final research. So I, I got interested in doing the Fab Academy because I was working and I didn't have electronics, robotics, and this kind of knowledge. So that's why I decided to do it. Okay, um, what's your final project? So my final project is for kids. So the idea is to do um, a paper airplane launcher for people, but like since the beginning, the kids are will build it. So it's not ready, like just a toy, but more like a project for them to do it. So and it's gonna- so I missed the keyword. It launches paper airplanes, did you say? Yep. Like there's a video uh, how to do it. That's from my last work. They used to do it, and I'm really interested in doing it because when I was there, I could not do it with Arduino and uh, part of the electronics because I didn't know. And now I have the knowledge enough to do it. Ah, oh, interesting. <laughs> ah, okay, good. That's a, that's a nice scope. You'll certainly be able to. Do that. Yeah. 
Um, this looks very much like a, um, a final project that was done, um, I think, two years ago by a student in Reykjavik. Uh, he made a Nerf gun launcher, like an uh, auto who automatic did? turret. Outney, R A R N I. Any final project? Is this it? Yeah, that's it. It uses the same technique of um, using two spinning gears to, yeah. <laughs> that's alarming. No, those are, yeah, yes, yes, I know. I mean, these are Nerf gun darts, so it's basically exactly the same system as Nerf guns. Okay, good, good examples. Um, so now let's look at, yeah. looks like you're keeping up with the weekly assignments. Yep. What is this thing? It's a humid sensor. Ah, did it work? Not yet. Okay. I'm working on it. Um, okay, so what did you do for this week? So I don't have any background in programming or uh, Arduino, so I had to do something really, really basic. I basically, I got my input that was two buttons and I made an uh, interface was like a smiley face and a sad face when I pressed the button or not. Okay. I took more I should to do it, but it was good for learning. It was my like first work yeah. with processing. Um, did, and it worked properly? It did. Yeah, again, that's another one of those exciting moments when you make a device and the message gets all the way onto the computer and something happens, it's an exciting moment. And um, once you can do that, you can do a lot, meaning you have microcode talking to desktop code doing graphics. Mm -hmm. And once you can do this, it's actually, yeah, that, that's the hard part. Now there's a lot you can do from there. Yep. Okay, good. That was the goal for the week. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, then we had Sarah from Charlotte Latin. Are you on Charlotte? Okay, we need to see what's happening with Charlotte Latin. Then we had, um, Solomon from Alto. Hi, Neil. Yep. I'm here. Um, okay. my, name, my name is Solomon. Um, I'm the FabLab manager in Alto FabLab in Finland. Uh, hi, everyone. Hi. Um, tell me about your background. How did you end um, up in Alto? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm an industrial um, engineer and a master's in automation. So that's... Okay. And then I, I was very frequent in the fab lab, and one day that they just offered me a job, and I. I see. So you were studying in Alto and kept, and then visiting the fab lab. Is that right? Uh, yes, the, the fab lab was in the design uh, department, so it was not really in our department. It was in a different university. So. Okay. That's how I got started. Okay, and then final project. Uh, I had two. Uh, two different project ideas. The first one was the scalable uh, vinyl cutter okay. made of uh, sim simple materials, like something that you can find from the hardware store. Okay. But then I changed my mind talking to Bas that uh, 
the vinyl cutters should not be that scalable because the materials that we use normally are quite standard. They, they okay. don't need to be that large. So uh, I went on to this one problem that I had in the power lab that um, as a tool, we, we are almost like a tool guide. That there is always a visitor coming to the power lab. So we need to make a power lab tool guide, which basically explains the things that are done in the power lab. Yeah. So my first idea was to use two uh, depth sensors that would track a person, like person's location, and kind of augmented reality that it tells stories about the products that are made, how they, how they are made, and then I wanted to make it a little bit more simpler than I would want to use a shelf that there would be a, a camera that would read what thing is picked up and then it displays that in a screen. So I was thinking of using maybe um, ah, like a okay. kind of dis display, uh, more information display about the, that particular product. Yes. So so I have two suggestions. So first, to the first one, um, for the vinyl cutter, um, uh, I've recently been getting interested in, um, there's a really interesting process um, so this is a commercial version. These are a few hundred dollars, and it's like a vinyl cutter, but it's driven at ultrasonic frequencies. And um, it's crazy what they can do. Um, it's sort of like a laser cutter knife. Um, if we, um, oh, I don't, is this an ad? Oh, I don't want that. Um, um, the ultrasonic knives can cut all sorts of materials. Um, so like here, this is somebody doing a CD and it just, it sort of melts, almost literally melts through it. It puts a lot of energy in and it's really shocking what you can do with an ultrasonic, not just vibrating, but an ultrasonic knife. So if you're still interested, one direction would be to, to focus on the ultrasonic end effector to vinyl cutting. Interesting. Is it the same the same uh, tool that the dentists use to clean uh, dental residues? Right. Well, they... Dentists use it to dislodge residue, but with a sharp blade you cut through. Uh, so it's a really interesting regime. That's one thought. Um, the other thought that would be a really neat project, mixing many things we're doing, would be is if you go to the demo shelf and you pick up an object, um, a light turns on at the machines in the lab that made it. Oh, yeah. And that would be a really neat connection of like, a, you know, some networking and some displays. So the objects sort of have the lab show what makes the objects would be another neat project. Okay, either Yeah, so I, I just put a link in the chat for um, uh, about uh, a Hackaday article, a recent Hackaday article about someone who was making, trying to make a, an ultrasonic knife himself. Um, and he he failed at doing it. So it's probably not non. It's probably not completely non-trivial to actually make um, the proper end effector and make everything work. <laughs> right. We do this not because it's easy, but because it's mm. hard. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Both of those are interesting directions. Um, so uh, this week, ooh, it looks like you don't have anything linked. Um. No, because I I've been having some problems with um, 
Python on, on, a, on a Mac. So yesterday we decided with Vastat and go back with, uh, with Ubuntu and Raspberry Pi. If you look at this, uh, my final project, I've been a little bit working with uh, OpenCV and trying to get what I need for the final project. Where should as well. I go to? Uh, to the final product uh, project where you were, if you go back to the... But there's four pages, which one should I go to? Uh, the first one, the first one, sorry. Okay. Uh, if you go a little bit lower, then I, I was describing what kind of um, paths I should follow to, to do the programming as well. There isn't really any, anything concrete, but so, sort of examples and what kind of things that I should focus on. So. Okay. Um, yeah, to your comment, um, uh, Python should be portable. Um, uh, Node should be portable. Uh, I do almost all of this in Ubuntu just because I find I spend the least amount of time fighting with the operating system. And you can run it. You can run all of this on a Raspberry Pi. Um, you can run it on Chromeboxes or Chromebooks is another good option. Um, there's Linux distribution. Chrome, Chromebox, and Books are Linux, um, but they're very locked down. But there's distributions you can use them. Works great on little, you know, few hundred dollar commodity computers. Um, I recommend at least having a, a Linux computer around. Um, just on average, I find I have the least trouble with what the operating system does. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Solomon. Thank you, Neil. And then we had Matt at AT3Flow. He's not here. Hey, uh, Raphael, say it again. Uh, he's not. He's not here. Okay. Can you get him for next week? Uh, no, um, as oh, discussed during oh, the prep, he's, uh, yeah, he's not going to continue. Uh, okay. And um, this is going to bubble up through uh, Luciana. Uh, it already did. Got it. Okay. So I'll take Thanks. him out of the student list. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. Abdullah said he was going to be back next week in UAE. He had a good reason, uh, maker event, and we're looking for Sarah and Charlotte Latin. Okay. Let's go on now to the random generator. So just um, before I, I close that, reminding uh, everybody you see here, both students and instructors. So um, again, let's go to largest repo. Um, Adele in Sorbonne, Klaus in Spinderhallen, Anka in Aachen, Verita Investment Air. Uh, I'll, I'll just scroll. All of these gigabyte repos don't make any sense. Um, should be hundreds of megabytes, not gigabytes in your repo. And so as part of your weekly reviews, um, go through all the ways to compress and uh, get them down for next week. One question about that, Neil, is that because yeah. what you're showing there is um, like, for example, the 10 gigabytes, it's actually, you know, when what the user sees locally is only 1.1 gigabyte. So uh, there is there's quite a discrepancy there. Yeah. I'm just assuming there's a strong proportionality between. Uh, so th there there's the working file system, and then there's the version um, history. And mm -hmm. um, when you're all done, um, 
the virgin history won't go away. Um, but I want, as a skill, I want you all know how to um, compress down the working files. Yeah, exactly. So everybody should check, but it could mean that you'll stay, you'll, you will stay on top because your history contains the big files anyway. Right. Git makes it really hard to change history, and that's one of the mm -hmm. points. You have to do really complex surgery to change the history. But we want to get your compressed files down so you all understand how to measure sizes and how to compress sizes. It's a really important skill. Yep, definitely. Okay. So with that, let's go on now to the random generator. And let me make sure it's current. Random. Uh, root Vige in Vigyan Ashram. Babal? Uh, hi, Neil. Babal? Yeah. Good. Yeah, hi. Good. Tell me about yourself. Uh, so, hi. Hi, everybody. My name is Urutvish Pathak. Uh, I've been working with Vigyan Ashram for the past eight months. And I have decided to uh, continue Fab Academy. Great. Uh, so, dear, uh, I do this every time, but I, I never get over it. Um, uh, I'm always happily amazed at. Um, let's see. So, Vigyan Ashram is here in Pabal, which is here in Western Maharashtra. It's one of the remote, most remote sites in the whole um, Fab Lab network, but it now has good internet and fresh air and you grow your own food and there's plenty of space. Um, and so I'm always happy when you uh, when pop up on the network. How did you end up at Vigyan Ashram? What's your background and then how did you uh, get there? Yeah, uh, so I'm an engineer. Uh, I'm an electronics engineer. Uh, Somebody, in, uh, a relative in my family worked with Vidnanashram a long time ago. So when I was uh, searching for something uh, to be, to continue my uh, career, if you could, uh, they suggested Vidnanashram. So that's how I joined here. But Good. I joined here as an first. Then uh, I came to know about Fab Academy and everything. And how has the experience been? You're muted. Unmute. It's been wonderful. Uh, power certainly does has, have its challenges, but it's been delight, uh, It's been really good so far. Yeah, because what one of the most interesting comments in Fab 13 in Chile is historically in India everybody aspires to move to the cities, and there's an interesting kind of reverse process in the cities. There's a lot of pollution and it's noisy and it's crowded and there's crime. And so this reverse process of um, ruralization rather than urbanization. Um, so uh, what do you want to do for a final? Pro so my, uh, if you could go to the main project process, progress. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so it started out with a basic uh, haptic device, if you could. Uh, it's just a stick with, with a color sensor, uh, which later on I discovered would be too complicated to figure out and make because of the weight and balancing. I did get, get far in the ideation process. 
but I I would say I pivoted to a photo programmatory setup just to uh, I remember you saying uh, oh, that sorry, at, but, at the sorry, ashram. Um, the first idea was a stick to measure the color. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You would certainly be able to do that. If that's what you wanted, I wouldn't give up on it. Making a long pole, um, there are a number of ways we'll cover where you could do that. So, um, by the way, you don't need to keep muting. Your audio is fine. Um, uh, uh, I wouldn't abandon that if you want to do it. In that, um, you know, in, in a couple of weeks, I'll cover uh, composite layup. But go, go ahead. What was the other project idea? Yeah. Uh... So let me tell you the reasoning behind the, the pivot. So yeah. what I'm currently uh, categorizing is the mango, the, the which is the uh, mango, right? Uh, right? Which is one of the biggest exports of Maharashtra. Right. So uh, it, there isn't data available as Vidyan Ashram works with various agricultural colleges across Maharashtra. Mm -hmm. They came to us with this project and they wanted to quantify the ripening of the mango. Yeah, I mean, they have the data which is available, but it's just photographs which are, uh, you know, uh, the nat in natural light, maybe in, in evenings. So the color data is really not that accurate. Ah. So, uh, yeah, so this project was basically a shot in the dark just to figure out the process. Uh, so I decided to make a photo programmatory setup so that I could, I could, I could get an initial uh, color reading from it. Yeah. That was the bell of, of the Okay. Um, I understand now. That's a fine project. There was a student who did something very similar. Um, uh, um, he made a beautiful system. Um, hmm, let's see. Um, um, see if I can find it quickly. No, um, I'll see if I can find it. But he did a really nice version of a turntable with con with lighting, and then it rotates the object and takes pictures under calibrated control. Um, and so that's a I nice need. mix of skills. Uh, Danielle, was, that, uh, was not the Palo from OpenDot 2015? Um, I think it's in the final project. Uh, in the schedule, it's in the final project. That's I, I think. Yeah, I came across it. Oh, okay. So yeah, it, it, there's a week coming up where I cover um, uh, lots of projects. Okay, and and so is one of these. Um, yeah, actually, this is a different one. Um, Still, but this was another one. This was a programmable light box um, that came out. This was a nice project um, to do programmable lighting. So sure, um, that's fine. And once again, because somebody does it, did it doesn't mean you can't do it. Uh, it just means you want to research what everybody's done and improve it and extend it and understand how what you're doing relates to what's come before you. Uh, if I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions, if you could uh, scroll further down, I think there's a sketch of the setup that I plan to make. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, 
as you can yeah so i'm using a color sensor an rgb color sensor yeah i have been able to yeah. get data from it but i couldn't figure out the uh, uh, the sampling distance the distance between the actual fruit and the sensor to get the accurate data so do you have any suggestions about that yeah well th there's a choice yeah. there which is um for the color sensor you need to use the data sheet you know it, it um uh that's a question that's not a general answer it's a specific answer so if you go to a vendor like digikey um so they have 147 color sensors and then whichever one you pick you need to then go into the data sheet and the data sheet will have very detailed things on if we go through this on the view range and distance and sensitivity and angle and um, you know here, here's all the responsivity and so those are detailed questions about a particular color sensor not a general answer um, but the other question is you can use a point color sensor but for a project like this a different version would be make programmable lighting in so control the illumination um, but then calibrate a webcam. And so um, uh, webcams can give you 24-bit color, but they range in their calibration. And so the, a, a different approach would be to use, the, you make controllable lighting and um, use a webcam to get the image in, but um, get known color sources and um, calibrate the webcam would be also a fine way to do that. And also, the, the, does the geometry between the light sources uh, matter? Because I I read on some things that they were using geodesic domes for the uh, the nodes in which light was there. I mean, is there any specific or a better uh, um, geometry to just? Yeah, you, you want the light for a, a, an application like this to be as diffuse as possible. And so, you know, in, in closing it is good. Um, and um, you want to have not point light so that you get shadows. You want to have diffusers. And it, um, it's very easy to diffuse light. If you take something like acrylic and sandblast it or silicone, um, you can spread light out. Um, and so what's really important is diffusing the light. So the light comes from as many directions, so it's as uniform as possible. So you don't get artifacts from the direction of the lighting. Okay. So let's go back to this week's assignment. Um, saw, uh, it's on the main page. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I, need, I need to edit that. Okay, so. Uh, okay. okay. So, talk through what you did. Yes. Yeah. So my uh, main main motive for this week was to have an interface for the photoprogrammetry setup, so that yeah. I could somehow log the uh, RGB values into. So I was able to do three separate things. I was able to toggle LEDs uh, using just a mouse, which was basically a serial communication setup. Uh, the one that you're seeing right now is just a button setup that I uh, uh, I found some tutorials and uh, used the code. 
Okay, just a note on this. Um, I see that you're using a commercial Arduino. Do you, do you understand how to make your own Arduinos? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've been uh, I've been working with uh, 89 uh, Atmega 88 and 328, but uh, as they weren't working, and I need I just needed to get some quick uh, prototyping done. That's why I use this board. Okay. I just want to uh, keep repeating. By, by the end of the class, you can use any AVR with the Arduino IDE, but it, it's a few dollars in parts to make your own Arduino. So I I want to make sure you know how to do that. Okay, so go on. The third thing, yeah. So the third thing was just to make a grid, so I couldn't put the RGB values of the grid. Yeah. Basically, uh, the reason behind the grid was to uh, make points. Uh, basically, symbolize the point, uh, point mapping of the fruit. I mean, converting the cylindrical fruit into yeah. a flat 2D uh, yeah. data array. Okay. The third thing is writing the actual data on the in the text file. So, uh, which is, uh, I did it in Python because the script is much better. And uh, yep. I mean, I searched for processing so that everything could be done in a single uh, routine. Yeah. But Python was yep. much easier. And I'm planning to make the uh, interface in Python as well. Sure. Just um, to have. Yeah, you could do it in processing, but but you're right. Py Python can talk to everything. It's a beautiful programming environment. Um, you know, uh, that, that's a fine way to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I would. So this all sounds fine. So I would experiment with both the point sensors and the cameras. Um, but that, then it's a nice project to unwrap the fruit onto this grid with a color map. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ali from Bahrain. Um, no, Ali from Bahrain. Um, Neil, he's probably still at work. Okay. Uh, we'll add him for next week. Um, oh, Hassan from Bahrain. Not there either. Wendy? No, I, I don't know. I don't know about Hassan actually. Maybe they're not online at the moment because they're usually really fast to respond. Okay. Um, I'll, check, I'll check with Salman and get back to you. Okay. Um, Jeff from Echofab. He's uh he's sick today. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, Echo Fab. Okay, I'll make all of these for next week. Um, let let him know we'll be up for next week. And by the way, Echo Fab, you're behind in your weekly reviews. Um, you need to catch up on them. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Um, Wenny from Beijing.
Oh, we're back to Echofab. George, George. He is also sick, unfortunately. There's two of us of the four here. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what, since the gods of randomness seem to want to go to Echofab, um, why don't we do somebody else there? Who okay. is there? Uh, this is Alec Matheson. Okay. So we'll go to you. Um, so added Alex from Echofab. Okay. Tell me about you. Uh, I'm a, an artist and teacher. I work at a, at a school where I started a fab lab. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'm uh, interested in, in making wow. a, uh, I guess my final project is interested in using logo programming with... Uh, Sorry, I'm just catching up. Oh, sure. Yeah. Up. So you're a K-12 teacher. And then how did you come to Fab Academy? Um, just following the fab lab, I had started a fab lab at, at the school and I, I got in touch with Echofab and learned more about what was going on and got interested that way. Okay. My background, I, I'd done some studying with digital fabrication and design courses okay. at uh, Concordia. Good. Okay. So talk about final project. <clears throat> so, um, I'm, I'm acquaintances with this, uh, someone named Brian Silverman who, uh, yeah. who's done work with Mitch Resnick and, uh, yeah, so I, I was kind of always remarking at how uh, he's using Logo for everything. His right. company, the Playful Invention Company, has a lot of really interesting tools. And right. I was always interested in using those for my own creative practice. Uh, right. I had been working with, our, uh, with Arduino. I'm not the, you know, programming is not my background, but I, I had experience with Max MSP. Okay. So I was very interested in, uh, not only that, I was working at the school, so I thought there's an there's a interesting link between um, my interest as an artist and also the way students learn and programming and uh, so my goal was to make a tool that for me could do what I needed to for my own creative practice but at the same time I could use and bring into the class and show uh, students uh, the, the, the nice parts of Logo which is the, the ability to debug pretty easily and um, a lot of students really seem to like it so far and he's right. using oh yeah but but what is the project? What is the embodiment that you want to make? Um, so I'm making a uh, circuit board that runs micro logo. So I'm using, and I'm, I'm basically trying to, I'm going to create an input and an output and then create tools that connect with it. Um, so similar to, you know, other objects that are out there, but um, using micro logo, so text-based logo to program. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, let's see. I think I showed this before. Um, but who was it in Amsterdam who did the Lego IoT? Yeah, this, I think it was this. Um, cool. Is it, okay, this was a really successful project. Um, uh, he made um, IoT bricks. And he was more interested in IoT, but each of, they snap together, they form a network and communicate. And he, was, he spent a while on how you package them and he's using these pogo pins to do the electrical interconnect. And then you build, um, he, so again, slightly different focus, not logo, but IoT. Yeah. But it was a neat version of putting um, processors in bricks that you build networks out of. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, and 
this went above and beyond the minimum to do a final project. He did a lot of work on finish and packaging, and it came out really nicely. Um, so that, that's a good starting point for it. Great. Thank you. Okay, so then with that as background, um, uh, weekly assignments. Yeah, if you go to current assignment there, I, I'm, I'm just updating my website. If you go back to that homepage, and then uh, I, I was just about to push up on my website. Yeah, that'll, that's the, okay. the, so my process, I, I've, I'm also doing the full-time job and family, so I usually throw my, my pictures up before I have you know, a lot of the description. Okay. Um, so in this, I'm just showing the, the logo programming, which I'll go into more detail. Um, and so I'm just sending commands, and then I'm, I'm going to, uh, if you scroll down, you'll see, I, that's the video maybe that makes sense for the, uh, so I, I, I built a, a Max MSP patch, and I select the color, and can draw the pixels. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, talk about Max MSP. Do you like it? I, I love it, actually. I, I, uh, it was sort of my first intro, intro to this, uh, to programming. Um, and, you know, I was going studying fine arts, and that's sort of the, the, the software that a lot of the installation artists that were teaching were, were showing. Uh, and I, I use predominantly Jitter. I'm finding it uh, hard to find, you know, harder and harder to find examples of people doing uh, things with microcontrollers and Macs, even though there are t a lot of them. It's just not as uh, common. Um, it's, like you said earlier, it's very much a music-based um, yep. development, but I find it very a nice way to flow information. So I'm going to, you know, describe how I use the patch, um, and uh, I, I find it a nice way to connect things. Um, yep. So, yeah, for, uh, it, it is a nice way. There, there are about 10 data flow environments that, in the end, all let you do about the same thing. And so um, for the future, there are a number of ones you could move to if there isn't a critical mass there, but yeah. definitely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Max was one of my mentors at Bell Labs many years ago. Um, uh, Max Miller Puckett named Max for Max Matthews, who invented computerized music at Bell Labs, and was just right. he was a mentor for many many people. He was a wonderful man. Um, that looks good. And then, um, I, I, did, did I tell the story of Seymour and Logo and Fab Labs in class? Um, I, yeah, you mentioned it. I don't know. I don't know if you. Uh... Well, yeah. So what? Um, um, the. I mean, yeah. So the connection. I. I think I've mentioned this briefly, but in any case, just to belabor. Um, Logo was developed for kids to tell turtles what to do. That was done so kids could use early mini computers when they were more like mainframes. Um, that's where the Logo language was developed. But um, sure, late in his life, Seymour told me that he saw Fab Labs as the fulfillment of from the mainframe, there came Scratch and then embedding logo. Yeah. But the real goal wasn't to tell the turtle what to do, it was to make the turtle. Yeah. And so what he really wanted to do was let kids 
create the turtles, not just move the turtles. And so we saw this merging of communication, computation, and fabrication as like a fulfillment of what he'd been working up to. Yeah, in, in our class we've been making, there's a, you know, a good, a lot of teachers that are, are currently making turtles, the 3D printers, and, and uh, so there's a nice movement uh, back towards that idea of making, making the robots themselves. And, and yeah, that, I'm interested in pushing it beyond robots. Yep, that's great. That, that was his intention from the very beginning. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, FCT, Andre. Uh, Echo Fab. <laughs> it's funny with the uh, uh, Mark. Mark is uh, here. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> The, the gods of randomness seem to like repetition today. Um, yeah. uh, that's funny. Um, tell me about yourself. Well, to start, I'm uh, the uh, co coordinator here for these. Uh, I'm working, I'm a librarian working for the city of Montreal. And I'm also fab coordinator for a fab lab that we have at Benny Library. Ah, which I, and I support. So tell me about historian of technology. Uh, historian of technology. I'm also a historian because I made a, I made my studies in history and also I got a master in the history and where I studied the uh, the uh, development of Canadian railways in 19th century. From um, 18, 1836 to 1888, where the uh, Canadian railroad railroad network were integrated into the North American one. Because so at that time, there was uh, the five foot six inches gauges in uh, which were called the provincial gauge in uh, British North America. And well, I studied the implication of uh, the technological and political implication of the having a system separated from the, from the North American one. Um, if you're ever near, near Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, uh, a colleague at Harvard curates an amazing collection of uh, rare scientific instruments. And it's really sort of focusing on the birth of our modern notion of technology. And um, so we're going back to the birth of what we call technology. And so yeah. it, it's, it's a magnificent collection. Oh boy. Um, yeah. Okay, so then if we go back to uh, final project. Yeah, final project is something uh, ambitious. It's to build a Dobson telescope with a motorized uh, go-to system. So, so are you going to build, is the project the telescope and the control or just the control? Uh, well, it's kind of the telescope and the control also. Because I okay. got the uh, book, uh, which is called uh, the IG book, the, which is reference, and the uh, I, the book is uh, it's about how to make a telescope base. But this one is made. Uh, the author uses traditional tools, 
and I'm taking the information from this book and translating it to a digital process. Okay, so um, for the class, either the telescope or the control would be a good project. Both you won't finish in time, so I, I would yeah. prioritize one or the other. Yeah, um, uh, well, go ahead. <laughs> but one important note, if, if you take like the this um, milling machine behind me, um, it's good to a tenth mil, a tenth of a thousandth of an inch, which is about two microns, which means it can mill almost down to optical resolution. And then you can get, you need a factor of about two to get to optical finish, which you can do by buffing and polishing. And so um, it's really surprising how you can take a machine like this and you can actually machine um, either surfaces to cast optics or reflective optics and then buff and polish it down to an optical finish. Wow. Okay. But I'm not concentrating on the, the mirror because by itself the mirror is a, it's an art and it's a, well, it's way beyond the scope of this, uh, this uh, course. Right. Uh, well, no, but that's why I'm, I, that's what I'm, the reason I'm saying this is yeah. um, it, it's surprisingly, you know, you'd have to really focus on that if you wanted to focus on that, but it's actually surprisingly accessible. Again, these are nearly micron resolution. I have a student who's been um, uh, making acrylic lenses by uh, milling them uh, and polishing them and getting really, really good results. You know, it's, it's, tiny step over long machining time, but you can really get down very close to optical finishes. It's not yet really widely appreciated just how good that um, metrology is. Okay, but I think you're talking about the refractor telescope. Well, no, you can do either, meaning you, you can either do it, um, you can either make the reflective surface or the refractive surface. You can do it, it, it it's just these can make optical surfaces and so, well, in the mix of projects, you could focus on the pointing system, on the whole telescope as a system. But if you really got interested, you could actually focus on making the optics itself. And any of those would be fine. Yeah, food for thought. Okay, so let's go to weekly assignments for this week. Uh, this week, uh, I haven't been updating, but because I'm preparing for the NRF 52, uh, I'm planning on using the NRF 52 for the, uh, the mod controlling the motors. Okay. And I'm pouring through the document. I started reading about the documentation of the NRF 52, and I finally got the NRF 52s here because the international cost of shipping is 40 bucks across oh. the yeah across the border. For a five five uh, five bucks ship, it's 40 bucks uh, oh. inside. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, w what are you going to do for interface programming? I would like to uh, interface the NRF52 with the uh, with the stepper motor. No, but but for the desktop application programming, you need to show like th this week's assignment wasn't the embedded communication; it was building the desktop application. Desktop application, I would like to use the uh, Swift language with uh, and configuring the uh, an application to con to, uh, to connect with the uh, the motor. Okay, 
So you, you just, that's fine for the final project. You need to come back to this page to show how you did that in the final project. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'll talk about NRF52s today. They're, they're powerful, but non-trivial. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll talk about them today and give some links to get started. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, Airbid, Stefa. Can you hear? Yeah. Perfect. Good. Tell me about Hello. yourself. Hello. Hi. Um, my name is Stefa. I'm an yeah. architect. And uh, I graduated in, uh, last year, and I'm going to take the Fab Academy to integrate between architecture and technology. Okay, good. <laughs> and final project? Yes. Oh, were you the one we talked about ferrofluids? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, that's right. So, we, yeah, we, we talked about making them. Um, how is your progress on the ferrofluids? Uh, actually, I make the ferrofluid with the toner uh, laser powder and mix it with different oil, but uh, I didn't have the result that I wish. Okay. Like to make it spices. Yeah. Spiky, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know what to say I because I've never tried to make uh, ferrofluids. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, how are you mixing everything? Are you just pouring it together? No, I yeah, but I read about how to mix it and I follow tutorial and so on. But I don't know why it didn't work. And uh, here in Jordan, it doesn't allow to bring it. Yeah, no, I understand. But the um, uh, um, yeah, again, I've never tried to make it, but I I think some of the things that go into it. Um, one is it needs to be very finely mixed. And so, like, for example, one way to do that is ultrasonically, to, to um, put it in an ultrasonic mixer that drives energy into it. Um, I think you also need um, surfactants. You need uh, to make sure that it wets it. Um, and so things like uh, dishwashing soap, you can use as surfactants to make sure things are finely mixed. Yes. Um, uh, um, That's why I tried with different oil, like vegetarian oil, uh, motor oil, and with different uh, thickness and so on. But no, I but don't the, know the why it didn't work. Right, but the two things I'm suggesting, um, uh, again, I'm guessing in in real time because I've never made them, but I'm mm -hmm. guessing that surfactant. Oh, here it jumps out. Um, that surfactants are key. That um, uh, oh, let's see, Here, here's, so yeah, yeah. Um, they're colloidal suspensions, which means you have, you have to disperse the particles, and usually in making co colloids, you need surfactants that take the particles and help the liquid wet it, um, and so are you using a surfactant? No. Okay, so Again, I've never made them, that was a guess, but I see there's lots of coverage of the role of um, surfactants and ferrofluids. Um, one kind of um, surfactant is dishwashing soap. Um, uh, um, but uh, just 
linking quickly, I see a whole bunch of things on surfactants. And what it does is it prevents the particles from sticking together. And so that's the mm -hmm. most likely explanation for what's happening. Okay, so read about ferrofluid surfactants. Okay, I will. Thank you. Um, and then let's go to your assignments. Hmm? Yeah, so. Now, I see you're using a commercial Arduino and a breadboard. Um, yeah. can, you can you make your own Arduinos? I make my Arduino, but uh, I make the design actually, but here, um, our Roland machine, the drill bit, it's broken, and uh, we order another one. So we ran out of milling bits, and that's why we cannot mill new PCBs right now. Okay, um, are you getting, where Where are you ordering them from? So uh, there is a waiting from uh, Fab Foundation order, you know, the big one. And also I ordered some from China, let's see which one will come first. Okay. The, the reason I'm asking is it's essential you have them for the final push in the class. And um, uh, we source them from Carbide Depot. And um, the standard one we get is uh, two, two flute. Um, here, let, let, let me double check the number. Um, Um, see if this is the right number. Neil, so we did boards before. If you check the okay. documentation before, we did Arduino boards. But right now, to make the one from input and output, we just ran out of drill bits, and that's why I allowed them to use Arduino. Okay, that, that was fine to keep going. Um, I just want to make sure that you have a good supply of these. These these are essential um, for the labs. Um, they, they are a consumable, so you need a good supply of them. The problem in Jordan is the delivery, you know, because uh, you you deliver something which is supposed to take three days and it will take three months, you know. Yeah. Um, at some point, so these are made by precision grinding. At some point, it would be interesting to um, do a Fab Lab machine to make a a tool a tooling maker. That's always bothered me. Okay. One of a final project. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's make sure you get them for the final push. But okay. given that, this is fine to keep moving. Okay. I tried first with Arduino. I read the code. Okay, but then to build the graphical interface, what did you do? What? Processing. Yeah, I tried processing uh, okay. to make a button. I named each button red, blue, uh, white, green, and uh, all of, when I press on red, it will give me light red. Okay, good. That's very much the goal for the week. That looks fine. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, um, I wouldn't give up on the ferrofluid. I, I you know, I. I think you need to do a little bit of chemistry, but I think you'll be able to get it. Okay, thank you. And you'll okay. also try it with Python. If you scroll down. Oh. Um, no Python. No. Uh, ah no. No. Okay, sorry. She's working on Python right now. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Again, as I've said, Python is lovely and powerful and a good thing yeah. to learn. Okay. Good. Thank you. Excuse me, need. Yeah.
Go ahead. I wanted to say that I also try working on ferrofluid. Yeah. Okay. Um, where should I go? Final project? You're, you're muted. Should I share the screen? Uh, it doesn't work in this big conference. Oh, okay. Uh, I have, don't have right uh, loaded on my page. Okay. Um, why don't you add something on your page for next week and just speak up during the review and show us what you're doing on ferrofluids? Sure, I'll do that next week. Okay. Good. Uh, Aitor from Barcelona. Hi. Yeah. Neil, this is uh, Aitor is not here now. I'm going to look from here and maybe I will bring it uh, back uh, in 10 minutes or something like this. Okay. Aitor, Barcelona. Okay. We'll go on. Uh, I think maybe Joris. Yeah, Joris from Barcelona. Let's see, Santi. Is yeah, yeah, we're here. Yeah, okay. Hi, hi, everybody. Tell me about yourself. Okay, I'm French. I come from Perpignan in south of France. Uh, and I've got a background of computer science. And I run the Fab Lab of uh, Perpignan, as you can see. I'm in charge of the Economy Fab 14 distributed. Ah, okay. Let's see, where is... Oh, it's all the way at the corner of France. Yep, absolutely. Ah. Yeah, like 200 kilometers from Barcelona. Oh, interesting. I okay. spend my bar in Barcelona three days a week and three days a week by in Perpignan. Ah, interesting. And then say more about what you're doing in Fab 14. Okay, uh, if you look at the map, I'm in the southwest point. Um, I'm gonna invite people that wants to talk about Fab Labs and economies. And um, for example, Fab Lab sustainability, business models, uh, impact on local economies and global economies like blockchain, uh, open businesses, and so on. That's good. Just to remind everybody, um, in the past, this meeting has been five days in one place. In France, there's two days on cities in Paris. There's a weekend all over France um, to get away from the big cities into local communities. And then the five days of workshops are in Toulouse. So that's why it's Fab 14 plus. Okay, good. Um, so now let's go to final project. Okay, uh, my final project is like a, a mood lamp. It's a, a IoT lamp 
where you can tell, oh, on not this page. Okay. Is this the right you place? Can, you can see like a sketch here. It's a lamp you can build uh, yourself using several techniques we learned during the Fab Academy, like uh, 3D printing, uh, molding and casting and milling, for example. Okay. So you can assemble uh, different parts to create your own lamp. So sorry, let me just know what he's doing here is really good. He's showing how each week is, is working up to what he's going to finally do. Oh, that's a nice mold. Thank you. That, that came out really well. Um, okay, but what is the, but what is it going to do? How how is it a happiness lamp? What is it? Do? Uh, okay. Um, the the goal is to create like an IoT global monitor where everybody who has a lamp can tell uh, how how was his day. So you you can just use a a capacitive sensor to tell your level of satisfaction of your day. Ah. And, uh, as a smart citizen, we, we can see like a global map where people tell. Oh, uh, so, so you tell the lamp how you're feeling and then you make a map of how people are feeling? Yes, that's the point. Oh, that's, that's lovely. Um, you know so you know what that'd be really nice. Um, Ugin, are you in vegan ashram right now? Yeah, I saw. I saw. Yeah, this so, hold on. Um, is Ugin in Cabal? So Ugin, who's in this picture here, is doing. Hi. Hi. So um, this is Ugin, who's doing Fab Academy in Cabal, and in Bhutan, um, they have. Like like in most countries, there's the post office. There's the grocery that measures wealth, and so it seems like a real project for Bhutan. Take these devices that let people make a map of how they're feeling. Uh, I I saw it, and that was the original plan, but. Um, we have some discussion about happiness, and it's a concept that is uh, difficult to deal with happiness. No, I understand, but it, I mean, this could be an interesting application of the project um, to make a, a well-being mapper. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so um, let's go then to weekly assignments. What did you do this week? Okay, this week I did the strict minimum for now. Um, as a as a developer, I want to start using Xamarin to create a cross-platform mobile application for the final project. Okay. But I was uh, running out of time, so I decided to create like a simple desktop application using C-Sharp, because I know the C-Sharp. Okay. And I create like a WPF 
desktop application that is quite simple with just two buttons that allows me to drive my stepper motor controller I did during the output device okay. assignment. And it works? Yeah, so you can click this picture and there is behind like a, a small video, ah. uh, like a, a GIF. Okay. Um, okay, good. But not a GIF. Again, just to belabor for everybody, don't use GIFs. Use MP4s just like you did. Um, it's much better quality and much smaller. Good. Um, why do you like Xamarin? I've never used it. Um, I never too, but I'm comfortable with C-sharp development and Xamarin is a cross-platform that can build uh, fully native Android and iOS uh, application using just one code. Okay. Um, th there's about 10 of those. Um, you know, one of the good and bad things is um, if we go here, um, uh, all of these in some forms or others let you do that. So I don't know that one, but there's a number that, that, that differ in being open source versus commercial and um, there's, a note, there's a num number of these ones that all do the same thing with one coding interface let you yeah. write for, for everything. Xamarin is also open source. Okay. Uh, um, used okay. the, okay. Good. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, 15 minutes left. So let's now just open up to anybody who did, who made an interesting interface this week. Fab Lab Oulu. Okay, Oulu. Uh, Okay, who should I go to? We'll go to Kamplin Ford after Ulu. Who should I go to? Uh, Yari. Sorry. Here we go. Hey, hi Neil. Hi. Is the mic on? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh, I did something with Unity. Oh, oh good. Interfacing thing, yeah. And I started out with the eighty tiny forty four. And as uh, I scroll through, let me go slowly. Talk about using as I go through this. Uh, well, from my point of view, it's uh, quite simple. You just create UE elements and uh, add them to the scene. And uh, well, in there, it's just a UE text and a slider. And uh, when those are in place, you add script. Okay. G sharp and um, well the basic you can see there. Okay, and then uh, talk about the device interface. Yeah. yeah. So the serial port thing is uh, quite simple, and um, you just tell which port and which feed you want to connect. It's uh, okay. like uh, many other languages; it doesn't differ that much. And. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah. There was a point uh, I took your code from your Python script and the formulas for the temperature sensor, and uh, <coughs> it worked uh, quite easily. And um, 
that's the like the end result for the it's a 2d program yeah just measure the temperature nice. yeah that's the starting thing uh, the next one was a little bit more challenging it was okay. uh, my my version of the Arduino and uh, there you go that's <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. again, just to keep repeating over and over, the Arduino is the IDE and the processor. Here, here's a few dollars in parts for your IDE, for your Arduino. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, then I took a dive to the Unity Asset Store because uh, it's a great place to have things for free. And okay. uh, here I listed them what I used, like at this middle town exterior, uh, mommy character, particles, buttons, stuff like that, okay. and. Uh, Smashed them in. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, well, the time was <laughs> quite running out, so I just put a quick video. What happens? So basically, I just collect the particle things and light up LEDs on the board. <laughs> so it's a physical Unity display. Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course you can go both directions. You could make um, custom game controllers for a particular game. Yeah. Uh, uh, this doesn't show, but I attach a light sensor to it, and uh, it has a had a like um, darkness bar instead of light bar. So the darker it was, the higher the bar was. But um, I hadn't the time to make it do anything nice. Yeah. yeah. If anybody is inspired. You should be inspired because the game environments make it easy to build a world like this, and they're now complete development environments, so you can talk out. And um, many years ago, ooh, um, Amazon just this happened once before. The um, my desktop. Um, I assume the screen share just disappeared for you. AWS just crashed the virtual machine. Um, I think I need to take a minute and restart. Yeah, screen share is indeed gone. So. Yeah, um, that's the second time this has happened today. Um, uh, so sorry, Zarek, the video will have a little jump at the end. Um, here, I'm getting back in. The, um, the AWS virtual machine just went away. Um, okay, give me a minute to restart. I'm not. Okay, so the screen share is turned back on. Um, and then I'm going to go back into simple screen recorder. Okay, you have the screen share again? Yes. 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 Okay. Okay, and that's recording again. Okay. Yeah, just just I was just ending with um these used to be expensive and complex to get. They now all both um have free versions, easy to install, um, uh, lovely environment. So that's a really fun example. Are you going to keep using it? Um, uh, yeah. Well, 
Yeah. I'm sorry, oh, Neil. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Neil. I wanted to start because I used Unity as well. And okay. I did a much more. I'm Antonio from Santa Chiara, Siena. I did a much more humble project for this week assignment, but it has a special character I designed myself if you want to check it. Okay. Weekly assignment interface. Little more below. I think I see see where this is headed. Um, um, so here. Yes, actually I used an Arduino board because I had a few problems with my board from the output device, which I wanted to use. But essentially what I've seen is exactly the same thing that Yar did for his own assignment. And I've seen there is a, a special library called Uniduino, which actually integrates very well both uh, Unity and Arduino as well, but actually it's a bit expensive. It costs uh, 30 euros or something. So instead, I found a, a GitHub repo, which is not very updated, but it works. Uh, interesting. Um, something bad is happening in AWS. It just did the same thing. Um, uh, this is, there must be some sort of storm in the data center I'm in. Um, or, 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 or maybe maybe AWS is actively killing everything that plays Vimeo? Um, I think was literally it every time, yeah, the, the, the first time also when you were on the Vimeo page and after that it crashed. Oh, is that when it crashed? Ooh, okay, I won't go to Vimeo. Uh, that's an interesting correlation. Um, sorry. Um, uh, you can't see the screen now, right? Let's see, the, uh, the screencast it just came back, back on. on. Yeah, it just came back on. Um, sorry, uh, who were we seeing again? This was Antonio. Antonio, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me make a note. Sent to um, weekly. Okay, yeah, so maybe Voss is right. It's a Vimeo. Okay, and, um, I, I, I am, of course, amused by your um, character. Uh, I'm not sure if I should be happy or concerned. Oh, well, that is just a prototype. And yeah, yeah, perhaps you're going to do amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my head is hurting right now. Okay, uh, good, thank you. Um, okay, Comp Linfort, who is there? So, and hi. Then, and then mm -hmm. we'll do HSN next. Camp Linfort? Yeah, hi, Neil. I'm Marcelo from Camlinfoot. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was doing uh, OpenCV with uh, with the fax connection, and then I made a simple algorithm. Okay. Now, so where the, should I go the, to? It's on the project. Oh, okay. Oh, project link. Yeah. Okay. On number twelve. Yeah. Exactly. So I was making this simple algorithm for my final project about the face tracker, a tracker, and I did 
this simple algorithm where I can know where is my face is. So it will detect my face and its boxes. I will send the command to the microcontroller that I built in the FabLab. And oh. now, interesting. Yeah. Let's see. So, Vas, do you think YouTube is safe? <laughs> Um, you can see what happens. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I'm ready in real time. You can see it in live because right now I'm having my webcam and ah. all the setup. Okay, so it wasn't like, okay, yeah, so show us in real time. Okay, so you have to, I, uh, can you take a look your face here? Yeah, okay. Then if I, I, ha I have to move it down a bit. Uh, so it will send a command move move up. Yes, sorry. Okay. So this. Yeah, it's moved down, and then the micro con uh, the stepper motors will turn uh, clockwise. And oh, then okay. This is perfect. Up, so so I'm moving the motor right now by moving back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, it's there it is. Look at that. <laughs> Lovely. And I did it in Python. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. Um, that that's a great example of OpenCV. OpenCV isn't a good environment for low-level access, but for something like finding a face, it's a great great tool. So, good. by the way, um, when I got complaints about repositories, um, I had noticed you originally had a big MOV file. Yes, um, I did. I, I see. You, let me say something. I see you put no. it in YouTube, but I, I, I. I I did a test on your file. If you use the compression I showed you, you can take your MOV file and you can reduce it to a few megabytes. And so you don't need to link out of the repository. If you learn how to compress the video, you can have the video right on your page. You just need to learn how use that code I showed you to compress it down. Okay, so I will do it in the next assignments and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah, you can make videos a few megabytes that are of this quality, so you don't need to link outside to it. Okay, we had um, HSN next. Who is that? Hi. Uh, yeah. I came in, came up. I was not here. Uh, who is this? Uh, Hassan Jafar. Um, I tell you what. Given that we're down to a few minutes, let's leave you for next week to do a proper review. Okay. Um, we're just doing a quick tour of interesting environments. Next week, I'll call you to do a full review of what you've done in your final project. There won't be enough time now. Okay. Um, three minutes left. Who else had an interesting interface? I have. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, weekly assignments. Are we on eleven thirteen? Uh, it's on it's on twelve. Um, sorry, I, I'm back. I had a network dropout. Um, 
Ooh. The same thing happened again. Um, let's see. Are you there? Yeah. Uh, no, well, not the same thing because uh, the screen share is still up, but you just lost your connection into it probably. Hello, Neil. I can see you. Sorry, I'm, I'm back now. There was a network dropout. Um, and it looks like AWS. It's still running. Oh, you're still getting it, but. Um, um, let me get back in. Bad weather in the network. Okay, interface. Okay, so what did you do? Okay, so I installed uh, Node.js on my server on GoDaddy. I have GoDaddy server. Okay. Uh, I I I put hello hello there hello uh, Node.js and that that write to text file that you can see that then I'm using JavaScript Plotly ah. project to plot. This is just random animation. Okay. Uh, then I, I wanted to take the da live data from my server. I just generate sine wave, but uh, I started with uh, uh, Ajax, but it's not working when, when you are dealing with different server. So then I found JSMP, uh, which is just passing the, passing the information in 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 JavaScript uh, style, you are you are making JavaScript tag in in the JavaScript, and then uh, you are pass you are calling a function with putting parameters from it. Uh, oh, that's amusing! I hadn't seen this. So you can so the issue is cross origin, cross domain security. You 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 tuck it into a script that you can pull. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's amusing. I haven't seen that. Then you can see that this is the Unix timestamp, the red one, the okay. before memory problem. Uh, you go up a little bit. Okay. This this red one that that should keep changing is is the Unix timestamp. Okay. And then. But this creates too much uh, callbacks and <laughs> you have a memory leak. Okay. Yeah. And then I just uh, destroy this tag by by removing it inside the function, and then you have this live data sine wave. And then oh, I that's just, great. And then you're going to connect this to your device. It yes, it's now it's it's uh it's coming from my server. Now, right now, you can even click on that link and uh, change the frequency. Uh, you just put, because I'm only showing 100, 100, you just put 40 frequency, for example, 40 hertz. Okay. That link. Uh, um, it, will, it will send uh, 
OpenPHP to change text file, and then that if you auto scale that, uh, double click on the graph, you will uh, okay. This should be changed now to 40. That's although Ooh. I am having okay. It looks like the, the, it's a little while for HSN 93 to run, but I saw it update. Um, so you're right, this is a really neat mix of a whole bunch of different um, server uh, things running in the cloud with client things in the browser talking to each other. And then, okay, there, it just went. And you're gonna interface this to devices? Uh, yes. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Good, uh, that's a fun yeah. example, and um, we're gonna come back, and I'll call on you next week to meet you and talk about final projects in more detail. Yeah, exactly, because okay. Neil, just to be, be clear, because I think we, because we, in, in the assignment, we explicitly ask to interface to a microcontroller, so yeah. that's something that's still to be done in this case to complete the assignment. Uh, that's right, we want, you can do that in the final project, but but the whole point is for an embedded device to talk all the way through to here. But but given where you are, that shouldn't be too hard to add. Yes. Okay, good. We're a little bit over, so lots of fun interface examples, 15-minute bio break, and then um, networking. <laughs>